Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of little things. Sometimes we have a, a big story that we want to talk about for a long time, but today's going to be a lot of littles. Um, the first one we're going to talk about, of course, is the return of the NES Classic, which they finally announced a date for that. We're going to talk about unfortunately more details about the monster hunter movie which begins filming soon uh and then we're going to be talking about the recent rumors that the star fox the next star fox game will be some sort of racing adventure game it's a little weird there and then finally we're going to finish up with cliff blazinski's studio boss key unfortunately closing down so uh to begin though the nes classic so this is uh this is great news so right away um you know when the NES Classic came out, it was very hard to find from day one. Uh, it was just kind of taking it back a little bit. When it was originally announced in 2016, it was like it was like June or something like that. Like they put it on Facebook. It was really cool, and there was just everybody was talking about it for three weeks. It was like the most trending thing on Facebook, and you know it was just it was it was going to be huge. And they finally had a release date. It came out. Um, you couldn't pre-order them. You had to be like at the stores that day. Like it was, it was a big mess. And, um, I was able to get one, no big deal. Um, and I didn't think much more of it. And then obviously the system became incredibly hard to find. And, and, uh, they essentially only really shipped units until April of 2017. So you went from November until April. So really it only had like a four month production window according to this uh, accurate wikipedia article i was reading earlier so it uh it released in the u.s on november 11th and then it was discontinued april 13th so that's really like five months basically so five months to the day uh, almost to the day uh that was all produced um and and apparently they shipped around i want to get this right so they shipped and sold 2.3 million units so in five months they sold 2.3 million units which is awesome that's really good really successful but why did they do such a quick run to shut it down i think we were all really confused by that and there could be a lot of different things it could have came down to licenses expiring and they had to pay money to make more or it could have been that they only paid the you know the manufacturing company to produce x amount of units and that contract was coming up there's a whole bunch of options and reasons why but it was selling incredibly well and that's a really strange thing when you have such a popular product just all of a sudden eh, we're done with it so very strange but nintendo's strategy has been for quite a long time that they don't want products sitting on the shelf it goes all the way back to the nes and super nintendo days when you had a late life nes game that was coming out after the super nintendo already released then you would basically have them making such limited quantities of that game they didn't want it sitting on the shelf they wanted to move forward they didn't want old stock and old products on the shelf it's also why you see a lot uh less amiibo production i think going on right now is because the last few waves of amiibo specifically the animal crossing ones but other amiibo were sitting for a really long time and you know essentially if you want to set up a specific section in a store that's actually money you pay to the retailer i know that's how it was when i was at gamestop like you had they companies paid you for marketing end caps and for marketing sections and so it wouldn't surprise me if you know, these other stores were like, hey, your products are taking up a lot of space and they're not really selling anymore. And, and so that would be like a legitimate reason why the retailers would want to get the space back. And and really the Toys to Life, uh, the entire Toys to Life 
category is dying. I mean, uh, Lego Dimensions is discontinued, Disney Infinity is discontinued, and uh, Skylanders is seemingly back to an every other year release instead of a yearly release and releasing a lot less. Um, so anyway, that's just a little bit about Nintendo's strategy. They don't want stuff sitting on the shelf, and they never have. So it makes sense why they would discontinue something early. They'd rather have you yearn for something than have you be able to get it and have it sitting on a shelf all the time, which... You know, you can argue if that's a smart strategy. Uh, it is a strategy, I guess. So I'm not going to argue with it. Uh, they they have years and years of market research that tells them uh, about what they're doing. And so if they listen to that and they follow the strategy, good for them. Uh, so then, as we know, then that following September, the Super Nintendo Classic uh, was released. And so you've got the Super Nintendo Mini, the Super Nintendo Classic, the official name, comes out to, uh, you know, it comes out in September... And by and and as of right now, because the the Super Nintendo Classic is still in production, so that's going on from September until May. You know, we're now at the part where we're at what the eight month mark that would be. So we're going on eight months instead of five, and they have certainly uh, to date they have sold five point two eight million units. So they've sold twice as many as they have NES classics of the Super Nintendo classics. Now, the Super Nintendo classic, I actually think, was really well done as far as quantity goes. It wasn't sitting on the shelf, which would fit along with Nintendo's strategy, but it was, I would say, fairly readily available, and it kept the reseller's market down. Like, I think the most I was seeing them sell for, like on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, was maybe 90 to 100, which it retailed for 80, and after tax here, you were looking about 85. So going for 5 to $15 over retail isn't that ridiculous to save you the hassle of trying to find one many times though i was at best buy and i saw restocks and i i was at walmart the other day and they had like 20 of them in the case so it is certainly something that if i had needed to i could have bought on multiple occasions so a lot more a lot easier to find nintendo seems to have found a better number than they did with the nes classic and i've said this before uh in my other talks about the nes system uh, the NES Classic coming back when I did a video when they first announced this last year that it would come back sometime. Now we finally have the details on when. But when they first announced it was going to come back, you know, we had kind of said that, you know, we, we had questioned things like, oh, is it going to come back different? Is it going to come back with new games? Is it going to come back with, you know, whatever? And it, it was interesting because before they released the details about when the NES Classic was officially coming back, they released info on this, which is the Shonen Jump version of the Famicom Classic. So this this is cool. Um, so the Famicom, it's it's a gold version for Shonen's 50th anniversary. Now I'm absolutely gonna have to buy one of these because I just I think this is super cool. Um, but basically, it's a new version of the Famicom Mini, and it's got a totally different game list. And that game list is is basically a list of Shonen Jump games or games based on Shonen Jump characters. Dragon Ball games, Saint Seiya, stuff like that. So there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Um, and uh, and someone here jokingly is talking about how it makes it look like a yellow faded um, actual Famicom. Uh, so that's really cool. But they announced this, uh, this kind of leaked out first. And so I was like, oh man, so now does that mean they're going to make the NES Classic, but maybe they'll do a, a different version, like, you know, a different edition? And we can definitively now say, no, they're not doing that. So what we know for a fact is it's coming back out at $59.99 again, which means it's the same exact bundle it was before. One controller, uh, the HDMI cable, obviously the AC adapter, and then the unit itself. And they have decided to not change any of the games. So it is the exact same 30-game lineup. 
And as far as I can tell, it looks like the same packaging too. <clears throat> we may not know until we actually see it, uh, but it looks like they're basically just re-releasing the exact same product. So I'm torn on this because there was a part of me that thought it'd be really cool to have like new games added, maybe even add one or two extra games just to make it worth buying again. But then there's the good, like the smart, like consumer side of me that says, you know what? It's nice to not have to buy this again. I'll have mine in the closet where it's been since I bought it. Very happy with that. Move on. That's it. You know, like there's no, no surprises, nothing crazy. Like it's just, it's just the way it is. And so, uh, so the NES Classic is officially coming back. We don't know how long it's going to go into production, but they have specified the date. It is June 29th. Uh, it will return to Europe and uh, and the US. I might actually buy the European version. I bought the Japanese one before. I'd have to take a look. I'd have to double check the game list actually to see if, if it'd be worth doing. But uh, so it is coming back June 29th, $59.99. Uh, it's unsure if they're going to re-release the extra controllers again, because that was a, an issue that a lot of people had with the NES Classic was it came with one controller. They wanted a second controller. They retailed second controllers for $9.99. Unfortunately, they made, my understanding was they made about one controller for every 10 NES Classics. So if you can imagine that, you already had a limited NES Classic market, and then you made an uber-limited single control or a single controller skew. Uh, I don't know if they'll bring that back. I would like to see it. And obviously there's other options. You can use Wii classic controllers. There are other options, but it kind of sucks, you know, and it would, it would be nice if, if, if they could re-release those as well. I know a lot of people are probably end up just going to buy the classic for a second controller, because right now I want to say the NES controllers are, are, are averaging around a hundred bucks just for an extra controller, which is crazy. And obviously companies make off-brand controllers as well. So, and there are controller adapters that you can plug your NES controller into like a classic controller port, that sort of thing. So we're unsure about that, but we do know it's coming back as it was just a re-release as it should be. Um, no reason to have to buy a bunch of extra stuff. If you're really into the cool rare collectibles though, take a look at the, uh, at the anniversary one, the, uh, super or the, excuse me, the Famicom, uh, gold 50th anniversary shonen edition. I think that's super cool. I love the box on that. I just think that's really neat. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad it's coming back. You know, this is something that, that Nintendo, I think made a mistake on not producing enough, but what was weird was it seemed like they saw that coming. It was impossible to find forever. So why didn't they at the last minute be like, Hey, let's run another production. Now it might've been because they already had the super Nintendo classic in production. And maybe they didn't want to have two competing products on the market because by the time that any, uh, the NES classic comes out again, this re-release, the super Nintendo classic will have been out for almost an entire year. So I think that it will be, wait, did I say, did I say June or August? I, I'm all of a sudden having this space out that I said, uh, June. Uh, or that I said August instead of June. It's uh, it's June 29th for the NES Classic. Um, not August. I don't think I said August, but if I did, I meant June. Sorry. June 29th. Um, and and so at that point, it'll almost have been, it's, it'll be a couple months shy of a year for the Super Nintendo Classic, so now the devices won't be competing, essentially. Um, now, the other big question is, how long will the NES Classic stay in stock this time? Now, Nintendo did make a comment about that they expect the SNES Classic and the NES Classic to be stocked through the end of the year. So now that'd be really impressive if they were able to keep the SNES Classic in stock for over a year. I mean, keep production of something like that up. Um, and so with the NES Classic, if it goes for another, you know, we have another six months to the end of the year from when it launches in June, 
then that'll have its original four months plus a six months. So you're going on almost a year for that. Um, I don't see why this isn't just an everyday product for everyone. You know, I, I mean, I guess keep it restocked until you start to see the numbers really fall on it. And until everyone has one that they want, I think this is a smart idea. And this is also interesting because we talked about a couple weeks uh, last week, actually, with the online service announced for the Nintendo Switch, there is not going to be a virtual console as it once was. So devices like this might be how Nintendo wants to more address the 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 craze for the retro market. Now, we all do know that even though the virtual console won't be around, don't worry, you're still going to be able to buy Nintendo's best games virtually. They're just kind of getting rid of the whole virtual console name. But with the news on that, this almost piggybacks on that. Like, this is a good reason why you could, you know, this is a good filler for something like that. And so June 29th, get ready to get one. Um, you know, even check with GameStops today. You never know when they might start doing pre-orders if they're going to. Um, I want to say you could pre-order the Super Nintendo Classic. I thought that one you could do, but I don't remember the NES Classic. I think I had to have one of my friends at GameStop pull one for me. Um, but again, you know, uh, this is good. Uh, this is a good sign for everybody. Anybody who wants one, I guess the only people it's not good for were the scalpers and the resellers who were buying them just to resell them later. But let's get real. This news that it was coming back has been out for a long time so if you're still sitting on nes classic stock you done messed up you know you got to see the the you got to read the tea leaves on this one guys i mean that makes sense um but i know when we were having used ones still come in the store it was a really awkward situation because we would tell the people selling it well you know they're going to re-release it we don't necessarily like selling these over msrp because it's it's uncomfortable for us to have to try to explain to a customer why a 60 dollar retail item is now $150. But obviously the person selling it doesn't want to sell it to you for 50 bucks to sell for 60. They want to sell it for 100 to sell for 150 because they, you know, they want to make money on it and they know what it's worth. So it was a really awkward uh, when people would bring these into the store. It didn't happen often. Um, but I'll tell you when when it did happen, they sold instantly. And so it just proves that there's a real market there for it and there's a real there's a real want and a real need for it. And uh, and and it's coming back. So finally, like we knew it was coming back. We'd heard it from Reggie Fizeme had made the announcement uh a long time ago actually but now we finally have official details june 29th 60 bucks the exact same system it always was same games same everything awesome so then next uh, uh geez this is a tough one everybody so i have to talk about how much i hate what uh, movie movie based on video games okay uh we talk about that a lot on this podcast i've talked about the duke nukem movie that's going to be starring john cena we talked about uh there was a teaser trailer for a contra movie that was apparently being made but who knows where that is haven't heard anything else um you know we've talked about the witcher tv series which is coming which actually looks kind of good and has you know new showrunners from like the marvel universe writing for it so there's some positivity there and and everything like that so we typically cover this a lot because to be fair uh, and to be blunt, most video game movies are not good. Uh, there have been a few gems. You could argue the original Mortal Kombat was decent. Um, the Street Fighter movie, while a guilty pleasure, certainly isn't very good. I would argue uh, that the Mario Brothers movie is an abomination. Uh, and the list goes uh, on and on, obviously, totally glossing over um, Uwe Boll's garbage movies like Far Cry, Blood Rain, and uh, In the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege Tale, which is a Dungeon Siege movie, so you've got that, uh, and all of his garbage stuff, including uh, House of the Dead, which actually House of the Dead is his probably most watchable movie, quite honestly, but uh, they're all trash. Um, so typically video game movies do not translate well to the big screen, mostly because the studios buy the rights to it. They don't have anyone who worked on the original uh, 
content trying to work into this movie. You know, they just buy the rights to a movie because they know the name will sell. So some time ago, uh, they had bought the rights to Monster Hunter, which is, I always find really interesting because while Monster Hunter is massive success in Japan, it's always been a niche game here. Uh, now I can say with Monster Hunter World, it has certainly become a mainstream game here. It is a very good game. I, I love Monster Hunter. I'm a Monster Hunter fan, big time. Played the last one for 180 hours already so far. Absolutely love it. But uh, a movie based off it, I don't see it. However, if it's a monster type movie, oftentimes those movies don't do great here, but they will destroy overseas in China, Asia, and um, specifically China and Japan and Asia in the Asian regions. So you've got movies like Pacific Rim did pretty good here, and it just did awesome in Japan. Um, and in Asia as where you have, uh, like the second Pacific Rim did okay here. It did really well there. So, um, anyway, so the point is that this is most likely going to be a big monster movie. So if you look at this just terrible website called sneak peek CA, and it just looks like an old website from the 1980s, uh, which just hurts my eyeballs to look at. They talk about, uh, Mila is a monster hunter. And so uh, according to the website torontocatwoman.com, whatever that is, actress Mila Jovovich of Resident Evil fame, that's, yes, that's what she's famous for, Res the, the garbage Resident Evil movies, which I totally forgot to mention because they're not very good either. Um, uh, she's joined the cast of the Constantine film $60 million budget live action feature for Monster Hunter based on the Capcom video games to be directed by none other than Mila Jovich's husband, Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, and shooting begins this September in Toronto. So after butchering and destroying our dreams in the Resident Evil universe, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson now is destroying our dreams in the Monster Hunter universe. So Capcom, thank you for selling out to these guys uh, and maintaining no creative control over your product whatsoever. Um, so now a lot of details are very sketchy about this still, uh, except the one story synopsis that we're hearing so far is that Mila is going to be uh, uh, in the normal world, a human in the normal world, and she'll get transported somehow to this magical world with monsters and beasts. And then sometime throughout the movie, those two worlds will start to collide and, and she'll get sent back home. But then the monsters will come back and attack Toronto or New York city or whatever city they pretend to be in. Uh, this looks and sounds like the biggest pile of trash <laughs> I think we'll ever see. Um, but which one thing I did not know is how big dinosaurs are still in this country. So uh, I was looking at something the other day because Avengers, the new Avengers movie had recently broke the top five grossing movies of all time. And number one is like Avatar. Number two is Titanic or something like that. You know, number three, I believe was Jurassic World. Not even Jurassic Park, everybody, okay? Not even the good ones. Jurassic World, which in my opinion was a very mediocre to not very good movie. I had no interest whatsoever. So that's pretty, you know, it's pretty impressive though. And it just shows to go, uh, it goes to show, excuse me, how the fans of, you know, of uh, of dinosaurs will, will really come out in droves. So it shows it's obviously a thing kids love. It's something kids can watch. Uh, people like me are still captivated by it. Uh, so I, and I like dinosaurs, obviously I like Monster Hunter for the reason that a lot of them look like dinosaurs. I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever it's a, it's a dinosaur hunting game. And, uh, so yeah, yeah. So it, it is what it is. Um, but I can't believe that Jurassic world's one of the highest grossing 
like movies of all time based on its quality but obviously the content inside is what draws a lot of people in so getting back to that monster hunter is a game essentially about dinosaurs you know monsters that look like dinosaurs so it'd be very easy for people to make that connection and say hey dinosaurs are really hot right now dinosaurs are big monster hunter world is a big game it's bigger than it's ever been the franchise is at its peak right now let's make a movie about it uh don't know how a movie like this gets greenlit I don't know who's willing to pony up $60 million, but even if the movie is a commercial flop here, I'm sure it will make its money back in Japan and in, and in uh, foreign you know, sales. So congratulations, I guess, to Capcom. Um, a big F you to uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. I, I really could care less about him, especially if, his, if he's writing the script and he's writing this garbage uh, synopsis that I just gave to you. Uh, and, of course, put his wife in the movie. I don't understand this at all. You know, One of my issues with this one is you know, you can make an Uncharted movie. You can make a Bioshock movie. You can make a movie off of games that have really strong narratives because that's what a movie is. A movie is a really strong narrative-driven experience, you know. Monster Hunter is not a narrative-driven experience. It never has been, and it probably never will be. This, the story snippets and the parts of the game that are interesting are not at all the story. In fact, the story is usually not even there. It's usually something stupid like, hey, there's a new world you all went to. Hey, we got to get info on the monsters on this new world hey you got to kill the monsters on this new world oh they're attacking the old world let's stop them like that that's really you know now when you when when i just read that to you that sounds a lot like the garbage synopsis of that movie except that it's not like the new the old world is new york city and they travel to the old world which is like dinosaur island it's like everyone in the monster hunter universe is from the same time frame they use the same style weapons like it's meant to be like a medieval fantasy world you know and so it's it's like I, it, I just my mind wants to blow up when i when i read stupid trash like that about a movie that just like that franchise should never be made into a movie uh, same as rampage like i haven't seen rampage yet i need to go see it because i hear it's just terrible but rampage had no there was no story there like why would someone and how did that movie get made i still understand i understand that unless really early on they signed the rock and the rock's like the biggest movie star on the planet right now so if it's like if the rock agrees to be in your movie they just make it because it's gonna make a ton of money which okay that's that's fine i suppose um but yeah i don't know it's 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 kind of trash. I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't have positive feelings about it. Like, I want it to be good. Nothing would make me happier than to go to the move, a movie and see an awesome Monster Hunter movie. But who? that's not going to happen. That's not even possible. Like, at least with Bioshock or Uncharted, you have a chance of there being a good movie made out of it. There is no chance here that this movie is good. Zero chance. Or or I should say there's no chance that it's a good Monster Hunter movie. It might be a really fun adventure, uh, adventure flick with monsters in it, but it won't be Monster Hunter. It won't capture that feeling you know um and so i i hate it i hate the fact that they're making it when i heard that they sold the rights i was hoping it would just disappear into obscurity but uh mila jovich and paul ws anderson have revived it uh and uh paul ws anderson goes on uh raking our favorite video game franchises over the movie coals so let's close out that window because I'm, I'm, I'm upset about it so now we have to move on to something else and this was a wild one this is a weird one um the uh so rumor came down yesterday i still don't know if i can believe this yet you know we'll have to wait and see rumor came down yesterday that retro which the last game that that studio worked on for nintendo was donkey kong jungle freeze for the wii u so for four years they've been kind of out in the wind and no one knew what they were working on and, and when they finally announced metroid prime 4 everyone's like ah there's retro but then it was announced that retro is not working on metroid prime 4 so then there was like this collective kind of 
what? Like, who is working on it then? And why is it not the studio that made Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3? Um, well, rumor has it that they're working on a new Star Fox game. Okay, I have no problem with, with Nintendo putting one of their best studios that does some of the best work for them uh, on a new project, especially to kind of bring back a franchise that deserves a new, better outing. Star Fox Zero for the Wii U was fine game, but it commercially did not succeed, unfortunately. So they need to do something different. Well, apparently, the something different they're working on is a game called Star Fox Grand Prix. And Star Fox Grand Prix is going to be a Star Fox racing game similar to be a, quote, mix between F-Zero and Diddy Kong Racing, end quote, with adventure modes, bosses, and a hub world. So that's kind of weird. Um, I don't know how to feel about this. At first, I'm like, hey, Star Fox is coming back in a new direction. That's not a bad thing. Uh, Star Fox is a good thing. And it's one of Nintendo's best franchises, original franchises. They need to build upon that more. So I'm okay with it. And then I start to think, but why a racing game? You know, like, why why didn't you just make what Star Fox is? Make it what we call a tunnel shooter, which means you can move your spaceship any which way you want, but you're, you're essentially stuck inside of a tunnel. So you can move to the left, to the right of the side of the screen. It's not really an on-rails shooter. It's looser than that, but it is not a free free roam fly around in 3d game like make it a tunnel shooter make it the best tunnel shooter you can make it and give it an original story um you know maybe a story that's actually a sequel as well like stop trying to make games that are reboots of other star fox games like just just have some continuity and just some of your games for love of god nintendo please and um and so I don't think it's going to be a failure. I think the game actually has a lot of potential, and the fact that it's being done by Retro is very good. Uh, that means that there's a really good studio putting these ideas to work. Um, but I don't know how it's going to play. Uh, and I guess part of my issue always was Nintendo did a really good job for a while of of having specific games be specific genres. Mario was your platformer. Um, you had Mario Kart was your racer. F-Zero was also a racer, but it was a little different style, you know, um, even though F-Zero on the Super Nintendo plays literally just like Mario Kart does, except, you know, minus uh, um, the, the, the weapons and, and stuff like that. And it was different, but, you know, that was kind of your racing one. And Star Fox was like your space shooter kind of. Sim so you had a space game, you had a racing game, you had a platformer. Like, that's what they kind of did. And now... Now they're kind of blending that, and I guess that's not a bad thing. Again, I, I'm not going to jump and rush to judgment on this and say it's going to be bad. In fact, I hope it's quite good. Uh, a Star Fox game on the Switch also means that Nintendo's not giving up on the franchise, which is a really big deal for me as well. I, I want Nintendo to be strong with these games, but we also need it to be normal of what we're expecting. So a lot of people, like I said, are comparing it to Diddy Kong Racing, so where it'll have an adventure mode. Like, you'll actually, in the single player, you'll have an adventure mode where you're going through and going through levels and fighting bosses. So that actually kind of does sound like what an F-Zero game does. And then, um, but it might focus around the uh, F-Zero Grand Prix, which um, is something that exists in the Star Fox universe. So it's not like they're just saying, oh, it's Star Fox kart racing. Like it is something that exists in the Star Fox universe. So, you know, again, I don't know. There's not really much... Uh, you know, and again, it's still a rumor, but it, it really picked up steam. And there were a lot of people like Eurogamer picked it up. A lot of bigger places did pick it up and say they had extra store sources on the Star Fox subreddit. Um, this kind of busted out here, like I said, about a day ago. And uh, so 
there's a lot of different like like and here someone makes a really good point in the Reddit thread. So Reddit thread sources Nintendo everything. Nintendo everything sources Eurogamer. Eurogamer sources VG twenty four seven. VG twenty four seven sources Reddit. <laughs> so again, unverified as of now. However, there does seem to be um there does seem to be like a logo that had surfaced. And so this was one of those let me see. Um I can't find the logo now, but uh, there was basically a logo that had kind of popped up as well. So it makes sense that something like that would fuel the fire. But yes, if you get stuck in this rumor circle where people are saying, oh yeah, this game's coming. And then another article quotes them. You can't say, well, we have two sources already now saying that this game's coming. No, you don't even have one source because one guy quoted someone and then the other person quoted the first person. So it's not an independent source at all, let alone two sources so uh, so we'll have to see how that all plays out i certainly hope that it comes out and i hope it's good and if they announce it at the nintendo direct around the e3 time it could even come out by the end of this year which would be pretty awesome it'd be another really strong holiday lineup uh when you throw in um what's assumed to be smash brothers this year and then a star fox game would be really heavy holiday hitters i think that'd be a really good idea for nintendo and keep those switch sales rolling because the switch is doing really well and uh you just have to kind of maintain that so that is uh that is unfortunate uh that it's still a rumor we don't have anything verified yet but we'll see uh and i and i hope so i mean i hope it's good either way uh and maybe it is time for star fox to evolve you know they tried this before on the gamecube with star fox um adventures and uh which did not was was hot and cold i guess a lot of people didn't like it and some people did but i'd love to see them do another other types of games in that universe you could still do a great platformer but obviously the the meat and potatoes of that game is flying the r-wing and and being a space shooter so i wish they would focus more on that you know like have nintendo have one great space shooter imagine it as a tunnel shooter where it's using the gyro and the switch so you could just like tilt your phone like up and down to like dodge up and down. i mean that'd be cool you know do it um and if anyone can do it properly it'll be retro and then lastly um oh yeah so here's the logo sorry i want to talk about that real quick so here were here were the kind of leaked logos um that popped up so we had um star fox grand prix it's got that kind of star fox logo with the kind of lines going through it um but yeah so i don't know this again you trust something like this as far as you could throw it um yeah i don't know i don't know very similar styles you know and eh, eh, you, you trust it as far as you can throw it but um, and then lastly, so this story is sucks, um, because you never like to hear about a company going out of business and the most recent one that we're losing is going to be the lawbreakers studio, the creators of lawbreakers and radical heights studio boss key is officially closing. So this was the studio founded by, um, Cliff Blazinski. Uh, since he, once he left Epic. So their first big game was Lawbreakers, which was actually published by Nexon. And we actually talked a little bit about this on the Dropcast last night, Jordan and I. But Lawbreakers, and I'll admit I never played it, um, I, I, I it didn't look any different to me than what was on the market. And I know Jordan's going to crucify me when he hears that. Um, but I never, this game never... It never looked like it was doing anything genre-breaking for me, and so it, to me it looked like with the other competitive shooters, not saying it's an arena shooter, but other competitive hero-based shooters, you know, what what was it doing differently or better? And and I didn't see it. You know, so maybe that's poor marketing. Maybe that's just I didn't have an interest in it 
I'm not sure, but it never appealed to me. And uh, unfortunately, I own the collector's edition for it because it was a limited run game, and I'm still stupidly buying all of limited runs releases. <laughs> but uh, so basically, Lawbreakers was not catching on, and and rumor has it that Nexon did not want to make the game free to play, which is interesting because my understanding is originally when they announced the game, it was free to play was going to be the model that they used, and they decided later to charge for the game. I think because they probably saw Overwatch charging for it was still able to get away with it. Maybe they thought that they could as well, but uh, that was my understanding. And some of the people mentioning in the comments here was that it was they they originally believed as well that it was originally supposed to be a free-to-play game and in their attempts it seemed like nexon and this is actually something jordan mentioned was that nexon had a very terrible year so they were starting to cut costs and try to make some of that money back that they lost and it seems like lawbreakers probably was one of the casualties of that they didn't want to take it to the free-to-play model which uh, is a money sink in the beginning and then makes you money in the long run so so that was kind of their first game and that was their most successful game and then and this was weird because I have mixed feelings on this, and I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but a few months ago, they released Radical Heights on Steam. Radical Heights is a Battle Royale game with an 80s aesthetic. It's, it's oozing with style, but it came out very early, very, very early, like almost so early like it shouldn't even have been released at that point. Like it was, in my opinion, it was barely functional. Um, it was very glitchy, it had a lot of issues, but it was free. You know, so you were essentially were playing this game for free as a beta slash demo. Like this was, this was you testing out the game for them, helping to make it better. I have no problem with that. Uh, you'll hear me say that a lot. You know, I have no problem with buggy games getting released in alpha stages if it's free. Let us test it. Let us break the game. We'll we'll find all the garbage. We'll find the glitches and we'll find the balance imbalance issues. And you can fix them once you know you see us abusing them. And and so that's what they were doing with Radical Heights. No problem at all. In fact, I thought it was really good. I actually liked Radical Heights quite a bit. It was still a BR, but they had some uniqueness to it. They added bikes. They had no vehicles except for bikes. There were trampolines that I just found out last night from Jordan that not only could you jump on trampolines, you could jump, and as you last hit them, you could grab them and carry them with you on your final jump, thus making you be able to get on top of buildings really fast. Like There was a core there. There was a core idea and a core set of, of stuff going on in that game that was eventually going to become something better once it was polished. And unfortunately, we won't ever get to see that um, because Radical Heights, uh, the servers are going to be up for what they call the near future. So obviously until they officially shut down. Um, and here is the official statement from Cliff Blazinski. Sorry, I know it's a little hard to read, um, but I'll read it to you here. As of today, Boss Key Productions is effectively no more. Four years ago, I set out to make a world-class video game studio, and I hired some of the best talent in the video games industry. They worked tirelessly to produce quality products, and while we had our ups and downs, I'd like to think we had fun doing it. Lawbreakers was a great game that unfortunately failed to gain traction, and in the last-ditch attempt, we scrambled to do our take on the huge battle royale genre with Radical Heights, which was well-received, however, was too little too late. As for myself, I'm going to take some time off and reflect. I need to focus on myself and family, as well as my Aussie, Teddy, who is slowly fading from us. I assume that's like his, his pet dog maybe is, is, is getting old and, and passing. Um, video games will forever be a part of who I am and I hope to make something new again someday however I need to withdraw and take this time for those of you who have supported myself in the studio these last four years thank you from the bottom of my heart and everyone who came to work for me please note that service radical heights will remain up in the near future thanks again cliff so that that's kind of tough to read you know because it's obviously you don't like to see people at their lowest points. And I think this would be a low point for him where he, you know, he left Epic where he was 
arguably one of the the fastest, one of the biggest up and coming uh, creative designers in the industry. Like you had, you know, you had him working on on um, some just incredible games that he had a big part of their success. And so, you know, to see someone like that essentially being now at their lowest point, where you know. I mean, realistically in the 360 era was kind of the top of his game gears of war one and two so you're talking you know back in 2006 um 2005-2006 you know 12 years later to all of a sudden see all that kind of fade it is really disappointing and so i don't like to see that you know and i don't like to see him kind of broken that way you also don't want to see the employees of boss key being unemployed and i'm sure there were a lot of people there that left big companies with terrible crunches and were like, you know, I want to work for the, the little guy. I want to put in time somewhere where I'm going to be appreciated. And maybe they found that here and then the studio couldn't make it. And now they have to scramble to find jobs. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it looks like they were told that it was closing in a meeting not long before that tweet went out. So now a lot of people are starting to say, well, wow, how crappy of, of you is that to do? I don't think that's necessarily what happened. In fact, I would say if you were working at Boss Key and you didn't see this coming uh, or you didn't have a secondary plan or you hadn't been taking interviews, you were probably not doing yourself, a, you know, not doing your career very good because you you had to see this coming um, with the launch of Radical Heights. And I'm pretty sure that the reason Radical Heights launched in such an early state, why it was so unpolished and not ready to go, was because, like they said here, it was their last-ditch effort, and they had to. And if that game somehow really picked up a lot of steam, they probably could have got funding from another publisher, or they could have got something to continue the game. Unfortunately, uh, it did not. And I would like to see that game live on. I'd love to see... Because a lot of people don't know this, but... Um, Cliff B is not the creative director of Radical Heights. It wasn't his idea. It wasn't his progress. I'm sure they had kind of a game jam or they had people working at Boss Key that had their own ideas. And that was one that was brought to the table and was like, hey, we can make this work before we have to shut the doors. And they tried really hard. They did updates. They had, uh, you know, they had streamers playing it. And it uh, it was it was a fun game, actually. I like Radical Heights quite a bit. Um, it stood out enough as a BR to me. It was casual, kind of like um, Fortnite, but had the 80s aesthetic and it had the money where you could actually buy weapons in-game. There was some interesting stuff going on in that game. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, however, one thing I do have to say is... Uh, one thing that, that Cliff Blazinski does complain a lot about are his quote-unquote haters. And, you know, not that he doesn't have them. I mean, even drop right here, we have our haters as well because people like, I'll leave, a, I'll make a video on something and people will just bash you for it and call you some of the worst things you've ever read and you have to just kind of uh, obviously ignore those comments. But you also, so one, you have to ignore them. But two, I think it's fair to say that maybe Cliff Blazinski did... Um, did plant a lot of these seeds, I guess. Maybe his chickens are coming home to roost, uh, you might say. Um, because he's always been very abrasive. So he'll oftentimes, like, when, when Gears of War was launching on PC and didn't launch uh, well initially, he came out blaming hackers and blaming the PC community for not not engaging in the game properly and, and, and you know, being hackers and, and all, and then, like, um, cracking the game and, and thieves stealing it. Then you had other just, you know, really out there comments, always kind of blaming, um, I believe he was also down on the blaming used games for hurting, um, you know, for hurting game sales uh, line, which is something that obviously affects me personally, and I never liked when he said that because, one, it's not true, and two, if you actually were smart, um, you would realize that if you just made a good game, people won't sell it. 
which I mean, and that's the thing too, is he made very successful games. That that's what also bothered me about that was Gears of War one and two sold a ton. You know, I mean, you can, it's evident by the number that I have in my discount bids in my store right now, you know, yeah, you can get the game for $3 now, but that game is, is, but it's because everyone who had an Xbox 360 bought that game for the most part, you know, that's how well it did. So he's always said, he's always said kind of polarizing opinions and polarizing things. And so I wonder then if you're going to be a polarizing character and, and you have this kind of dude, bro, kind of, you know, machismo, you know, that's the people who like you because you have that. Those are the same people that are going to turn on you in a second when you don't, when you do something that they don't like one of those things being lawbreakers. And then the second one being radical heights. And so I think he does reap a little bit of what he's, he's sowed because he did plant a lot of these seeds. He did foster that kind of environment, you know? Um, but again, that doesn't mean it's right for him to get abused, uh, verbally and stuff. It doesn't mean that it's right for him not to be able to be upset when people do do that to him. So I do, I do like him as a game designer. I've, I've always thought he needs to maybe shut his mouth every now and then. In fact, we just did a story on him a couple weeks ago where he was complaining that Epic was poaching his talent. Well, sorry, dude, but your studio just closed two weeks after you said that. So was there a reason why your people were leaving again, a really arrogant comment? Like, like you don't, you don't get loyalty. Like you don't, you shouldn't expect loyalty without being able to offer that reward of loyalty back to them in some way. And if you have a studio that's teetering, you shouldn't expect your employees to be loyal to you, you know, and I know this is a totally different level, but like I had an employee for me who was working part-time and she's great. She had another part-time job as well. So she recently, her other part-time job offered her full-time. I offered her, I countered, uh, I didn't know what they were going to offer. I offered her full-time to try to keep her and they made a better offer. So she went there now. Yeah. Am I disappointed that I didn't get to have her work with me full-time? Absolutely. But I'm not mad at her for wanting to go to the other place that was offering her a better deal. And I have to suck that up and say, you know what? I couldn't match their really good deal. their really good offer. And so I'll, you know, and she still works part-time for me, which is, which is awesome. And I'm glad we could work that out. But it is one of those things where I just, I have to be happy for them. You know, he needed to be happy for them. And, and I can't expect her blind loyalty to me. She needs to be loyal to herself and what's best for her situation, which was take their full-time job and keep working part-time for me. So, um, that's just kind of like another example of, of his expectations. Now he's been in the business a long time and I don't know why he left Epic. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me. A lot of people do that. They leave their, their job of many, many years. They open their own studio and they're successful. I think what we're starting to see now though, and, and the indie age was supposed to make it so that the small studios could survive. The indie revolution was bringing along this sort of attitude of, you know, one person can make a game like Stardew Valley and be successful. Um, Notch can make a game like Minecraft by himself and be successful. You don't have to have a studio of 100 people to make a really great game anymore. However, I am starting to think that there's this mid-range size studio, um, which is more uh, of a challenge to succeed than even the large studios. A studio like uh, like Lawbreakers, that's actually, or uh, like Boss Key. Let me take a look, actually. I want to see something really quick. Um, and I want to see how many, how many employees they had because, um, let's see here. Uh, look, number of employees was 65. So that's about your mid range studio. It's not the couple hundred that CD project red have and all this other stuff. So they, uh, they, um, 
have such a hard time succeeding when you're in that mid range. It'd be almost easier if Cliff and like three other people in an office made a really good indie game that was fun and quirky. They'd probably make more money doing that. The guy that worked on Diablo, he uh, he made that game. It lurks below. I think is what it's called. Um, and that that's like a Terraria style Diablo like combo game. And it's really great. Made the whole game by himself. So good for him, you know, but this, this mix of trying to have 50, 60 people on a studio. I mean, if you're not churning out a triple a game that does really well, a studio that size won't succeed. And that's a real disappointment. That's a real bummer because you want people to be able to, you, you I, I want Cliff to be successful. You know, I want him to make great games and I want him to have a place where 65 people are employed and I want those 65 people to be happy where they're employed. We all should want that. No matter if they make a game that we don't like, it's okay. So that that's unfortunate. And I don't really have much else to say about it except that, you know, I do hope, I do wish him well, but maybe he needs to kind of refocus his attitude as well and stop being so abrasive because I think he, he draws in an abrasive sort of behavior and I don't think that's good for any of his products, any of his games. And I don't think it helps the image. Now, will he land on his feet? Absolutely. You know, if he doesn't start his own studio again, he'll probably end up working at another big one. He might go back to Epic. Who knows? Um, you know, maybe what I really hope is that, and Jordan said this would be, uh, you know, is always a possibility that Devolver would come in, scoop up all of the Radical Heights people and keep making that game. Um, and would love to see it, but who knows, you know, and, and hopefully it is, but hopefully what works out well for everyone is that they all find a job. They all are successful and they're all happy. And that's really what we should all be asking. You know, we should all be expecting of people. Um, you know, we shouldn't be happy in their misery, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and so as always, uh, that is the podcast for today. So we're going to talk about today, th th this game, I don't know if most people are going to like this game, but we're going to talk about uncharted waters uh this is a weird game because i'm going to explain it to you and then you're going to say that doesn't sound fun and then i'm going to say yeah i know it doesn't sound fun but it is fun so this was a game i played a really long time ago when the genesis came out it is a well, how to describe this thing let's see what how they describe it it's part of koei's role-playing series um so here, here's basically what it is um it is a trading uh, an, an old timey uh, sail the ocean, discover new lands trading simulator. So in Uncharted Waters, you have a boat and you kind of go across the ocean, which is many, many screens. It's kind of neat. Like you leave Spain or you leave, you know, Europe and you uh, you just you sail west and you go until you hit land. And so you'll find different ports there. And maybe at one port you can buy sugar for one gold a pound and you can sell I don't know, corn for 10 gold a pound. And if you go to another port, you might be able to buy the corn for one gold and the sugar for 10. So what you do is you buy all the sugar at one port, you fill up and then you go to the next port, you sell it all there, you pick up and you basically just try to make money. Um, and it, uh, I don't know why it's fun, quite honestly. Um, there's also like, like towns. If you kind of look here in the top picture there, You've got like a town where you talk to folks and then you can play like like poker and stuff against people. It doesn't sound fun, right? Um, but there's something charming about this game that's really neat. It's almost like a, a JRPG that doesn't have RPG elements. Like it says you fight pirates. I don't even remember ever doing that. 
maybe I didn't play the game long enough or get into it enough, but they did a sequel to Uncharted Waters, which was actually like a full-blown RPG. And it's called like New Horizon, I think. Uh, Uncharted Water New Horizons. And that one actually had RPG elements to it. It had a battle system and everything. This is just more of a of a simulator, like a <laughs> like a like a colonial trading simulator. So here here's the back of the box. I'm gonna read this to you. Um Climb aboard your flagship and set sail. As a young Portuguese captain, you are in search of fortune and fame. With your first mate at the helm, navigate the way to distant lands and legendary riches. <laughs> and here's the, the bullet points. Travel in historical sailing vessels, visit famous 16th century ports, retrieve hidden treasure, and fight menacing pirates. I Apparently you can fight pirates. That sounds awesome. I didn't ever do that. But yeah, Uncharted Waters. Check it out sometime. You probably won't like it, but... Hell, if I played it today, I probably wouldn't like it. But I loved it when I was a kid, so in the collection it goes. Thank you, everybody, as always, for watching. Really, really appreciate it. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, you can also listen to the podcast on iTunes. You just search for Game Talk Radio. Look for the little uh, 8-bit dude wearing my shirt. And uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, you can also watch us on YouTube. And we'd love any new subscribers we can get. So if you go to youtube.com slash the drop rate or if you go to drop rate dot life, that will take you to our YouTube channel. Just look for the DR logo, the yellow and the gray logo. And, uh, and I know I said this mentioned this last week, but we are officially over the one year mark now. So we're into year two and we're at 2,160 subs and we're so proud of that. And I'm so happy, uh, that all we have to do is just keep plugging away. So that's what we'll keep doing. As long as you keep watching and listening, we'll keep making content. So again, as always, thank you everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Always appreciate everybody listening, watching, commenting, shoot me emails, uh, Twitter DMs at drop rate, Greg, hit me up, uh, on Twitter with any questions you might have would happily ask them on the show. So I appreciate you guys as always. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.